Welcome to the great conversation where ideas matter. Ideas shape markets. Ideas can change the world. As many of you know, I, I talk to leaders up and down the corporate ladder um, almost every day of the week. And, uh, and every once in a while, we get to turn on the record button so you can be a fly on the wall and listen to those natural, unscripted conversations. And I was thinking the other day, I was thinking the other day, we, we a lot of times, just because of the nature of the 20 to 30 minute podcast, we go very high level. Uh, but sometimes we don't get the, um, how would you call it, the, 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 the grit, if you will, of what's really going on with our uh, leaders operationally in physical and cybersecurity. What's really going on? The leaders, the leaders are doing everything they can strategically. They have very fir firm opinions. When I say leaders, I'm talking C-level leaders. But at the end of the day, when they go to execute, they're dealing with pressures that we have never had before. So I needed somebody with a background, not just in physical security. I needed somebody also in technology uh, with a global Intel view with, you know, a pro I'm big, as you all know, into people, processes and tools that achieve outcomes that are measured in such a way we can improve that over, the, over time operationally, tactically, strategically. So looking for that strange animal, if you will, that has all those things and can help me uh, with the perspective of how things are changing. So I turned to my old friend, Nathan Mills, who's been to The Great Conversation, uh, has helped me understand metrics that matter at The Great Conversation. He's with Zoom. He's the senior manager of physical security. Welcome, Nathan. Thank you very much for having me, Ron. And he reminded me he's also, you know, his resume is quite accomplished, doting father and husband, too. <laughs> Some things are more important than others, that's for sure. Well, I, I, I think they're all important. It's just in context, some are more important than others. <laughs> so, um, so, Nathan, you know, I sent a group of trusted people the other day and, who I trust, who have been to the great conversation, uh, a, a series of questions. and. I remarked to you in general, boy, they seem like old questions. They're kind of nagging questions. It's, we almost feel like, can't we ask different questions? <laughs> because we, we, we think we should be farther along than this. And when you receive those questions, let's, let's just very quickly, uh, I just decided to pivot a little bit. Very quickly, let me tell you all what the questions were. Why is it important for security? to really um, share responsibility with multiple people in the organization, including those outside of the security discipline. Why is that important? What teams do you think are important? And where do you see security playing into and across those different operational units when it comes to risk, business con continuity, and reputation? How can security professionals best gain budget and buy-in? Here we go again for the corporate security in the organizations. And how do you prove the value of something that is implied as only a cost center? And of course, the great enabler technology. Um, so old questions, Nathan, when you re first received them, what, what was your gut feel? You, you know, Ron, the, the first thing that comes to mind when I, when I looked at those questions is, 
that words matter. And you're a perfect example of, of how we engage in this kind of conversation to, to get the right words out there. And when I think of the word security in, in today's industry, in today's context, it's, it's a pejorative term. I think if we hang our hat as an industry in physical security on the word security, we lose people from the get-go. We lose the ability to get in front of the right people to, to provide uh, value to the organization, to, man to manage and mitigate risk, et cetera. So the way that I'm positioning myself and when the, the way I look at those questions and how I would answer them, I first start by saying, you know, the mission of my organization, the mission of what I think we're doing in security is to protect, to enable. The ability for us to enable the business to do what it's doing in the marketplace is above and beyond anything that the word security brings to light as it relates to an obstacle to business. So protect to enable is something I think was the most important light bulb moment when I read the questions. Protect and no, notice, I, I, I notice you used protect to enable, not protect and enable. Tell me about that notion of protect to enable. Right, so I think where I've grown the most in my career is the ability to be a business professional with a security background. And I know you've used those terms in the past as well. If I don't understand what the business is doing, what markets we're in, how we judge success, what, uh, what verticals we are trying to uh, engage with as a business, and I can't connect what I'm doing in my group to those things, then I've already lost. So when I say to enable, I've got to know what that to enable means. And then my job is to protect the business in order to do that, the people, the assets, the facilities, the information. And that that's really interesting because you, the notion of understanding that, seek to understand, uh, starts with their strategy, their yearly budget and strategy for enabling the organization's goal, whoever you're talking to, how they're measured, if you will, and what they believe is their constraints. And you're right, much of that may be outside your purview, but if you don't understand it, you can't determine what part of it is your purview. Is that right? Absolutely right. Uh, the, the most mature organizations, and I say mature, not based on uh, uh, you know length of time in, a, in an industry or anything like that. I think maturity comes from the alignment uh, principles. And so the most mature organizations I've seen have you know uh, objectives and key results, OKRs and different, uh, different metrics at that level at the highest level that then flow all the way down to the, as you called it, you know, the gritty operational work. What, are, what am I prioritizing with my team? What projects are we working on, et cetera? And if they don't inherently align to those OKRs that are at the top level, then I can reprioritize. I don't need to be working on those things. I need to be working on something else. And to be able to do that and have visibility at those OKRs, I think is extremely important for us in what we do in physical security. Okay, so let's work backwards. Give me a situation if you can, obviously protecting uh, the information of the companies you've worked for in the past, but also protecting your peers' companies who, you know, you share a lot of uh, data and intelligence back and forth. But give me some examples of what you've learned about connecting to the results, connecting to the, the objectives of the operational teams. Give me a few examples. Let's go from the technology side. So a simple one from my perspective and having my background in technology, it's easy to speak to this. 
much of what we do in security does involve technology now, and a lot of it is internet focused. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, facing the external world. So the vulnerabilities and the cybersecurity aspects of those technologies are very well understood and are usually owned by the functional owner. So us in physical security need to know what vulnerabilities are inside the networks, et cetera. How do we do that efficiently is we need to be able to align to the objectives of the CISO organization to say, however many percentages of you know, known vulnerabilities are adjudicated in a certain amount of time and you have visibility of those. So making sure that your systems are built properly um, is extremely important, even though the functional elements of your system are physical minded, you know, access to a building or protecting an executive or, you know, protecting um, uh, information, information or intellectual property at a, uh, at a data center, you know, things like that. I think that alignment is a, is a very easy example to show that we have to, you know, without using the uh, another overused term, the convergence with us and cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. So uh, you're kind of an analytical mind like myself. Um, I was reading somewhere the other day, and it was really good. The author was talking of trying to break this down from a risk and security standpoint. And by the way, I want to turn back to that term security in a second. I, I think words are real things, and I think you're onto something. Uh, but if we stick, let's stick with, let's try to define this a little bit more. And I'm doing this live. This is live am- ammunition, as uh, Nathan knows. And he's so cool. He let, uh, Nathan, so cool to let me riff like this with you, uh, because it has been on my mind. How, how do I break down value? And it seems to me the first one is operational. Now, that would be taking your, for example, your five stages of the threat lifecycle and and you got five resources in the company and they spend 40 hours a week doing these things. How do we make them more efficient? So we'll call that operational, right? That's your day-to-day grit and grime. How How do we make them more efficient in what they do? Tactical would be uh, how we connect those things they do uh, to um, to how quickly and efficiently and at what qualitative standards they do it. So I call that the time to value equation. Maybe you could call it the tactical equation, but that that really says to me time to value, right? Time to value. A little different than efficiencies, if you notice. So time to value. And then the third one is the holy grail. The third one requires that understanding you're talking about and is the strategical alignment of those resources. But it almost asks the question of those resources, uh, of the operations teams, uh, NHR and legal. It's almost asking them after you've helped them what the value was it through their eyes and using their language to describe it. Uh, those are the three magic platforms, I think. Does that sound right? It, it does. Now, I would love to dive in, and maybe it's a separate great conversation, but that last point you made about being proactive on how we receive customer feedback, because my one of my goals, one of my um, very tangible goals is the ability to deliver happiness to our customers. Right. And how many security organizations have that as a goal? I don't think there's very many. 
Right. And to do that, you have to have that really high touch engagement with who your customers are. So you have to know who those customers are. Then you have to devise ways of how to measure that success or failure. And what do you do about it? And how do you have that transparent enough so that the groups that you're engaging with understand that an ask of them is going to be, you know, what does this interaction with the security team look like? Mm-hmm. And how could, how would I think they could do it better? And what are my biases that may inherently adjust how I engage with those teams? So there's so much to unpack there that uh, I think that last one is something that we, we often just overlook because we think it's too hard. Right, right. So, so crossing that bridge, crossing that chasm where they see you as a business enabler, I think it does require a different term. I really do. And I love you're onto something here. You know, have you, besides describing it, protect to enable, have you found any language or terms that have helped you cross that chasm with, with the other members of the executive team? I would say, I would say yes, but it is, it is hard to define, but I would say it in this way, I'd say the culture of the organization, and I say organization at the kind of most generic sense, but of your business, the culture of your business uh, should drive how you would, how you do this. And for me, uh, as an example, being in a technology company, my business focus, even at the exec- or at the executive level, is that enablement of the, of the of the technology. How do we do that properly? How do we do it? And how do we deliver happiness to our customers as a whole company is an important um, metric for us. So, to to your question of you know how do you how do you kind of use the different words. One that I like to use, and this comes from my team too, you know, some people that are on my team uh, yourself, Ron, but the empathy, the ability for us to ask questions and to be, you know, seek first to understand and then to be understood, which you used earlier as well. Those types of approaches and the use of those types of language are extremely important. And then I'll make, I'll make one other mention here, Ron, that one other thing that I think is important as you mature an organization, and we've done this inside my group, and I've seen it done in others, is to understand the strengths of your team. So um, we've used a strength finder, you know, Myers-Briggs, uh, the, um, the Enneagram, all these kind of things can, can have value if you use them the right way and you talk about it the right way. But knowing what your team has as a strength and using those strengths instead of saying, what are the weaknesses that we need to build up? is like, what are those strengths and how can we highlight those strengths in our inner engagement with the executives and building our program uh, is again, something that takes time, takes effort. But if you are able to give yourself the time, it does show value that you can measure uh, productively within any kind of organization. Hmm. Yeah, I, I just see a, uh, a stop start here for many of your peers in, in the industry, a start stop, they need think of it as an Intel thing. I got to do Intel on the HR function. I got to do Intel on the CLO function. I've got to do Intel on the supply chain function. If I don't do the proper data aggregation, I'm going to end up making assumptions, a very dangerous thing when it comes to the value proposition or in helping them uh, determine their risk, very dangerous. And I, I feel like most of the time you have to make those assumptions and now you're falling back on the old tools we've always used, right? You're going to, <laughs> you're, you're going to go to your, um, 
your echo chamber and begin to repeat the same old things over and over and over again, because you don't really, you haven't really understood what they do. And, and so do you, are you finding that any of your peers have broken through that where they actually are getting the right intel on the operational characteristics of each uh, organizational discipline? I, I would say there's no, I've never seen a panacea of that working the way that maybe my own blue sky thinking would, would have it be working. But I, but I would say I've seen a lot more really innovative and creative security practitioners do things that can, can break through that ceiling a little bit more than maybe some others could. And I think it starts with the language. I think it starts with um, relationship building. Um, you, you can't overlook that as well. You have to be able to build the relationship so there's trust. The uh, one thing I saw recently, and it may be, maybe have been of a Simon Sinek uh, uh, quote or something, talking about the ability of like Navy SEALs to show value in trust versus performance. Like uh, if somebody is high performing but low trust, you, you don't want them on your team. That trust piece is really, really important. And I think it can translate into our world completely. And if you have even medium performance, but high trust, I'd rather have that person on my team than that high, uh, high performance, low trust. That's another thing that I think is hard to measure, but as you put it as a value of your organization to say, look, this is a, uh, a mission of our organization to, uh, to have this as a part of it. I think it's, it shouldn't be overlooked either. Uh, it's so, so fun that you just mentioned that. Um, we just had a conversation with um, Robin Drake. Uh, I'm pretty sure you don't know Robin. Maybe you do, but he, at one time in his career, headed up, actually managed the behavioral assessment group for the FBI. Oh, and, sure. and his job was to uncover spies and recruit spies, right? And also uncover terrorists and things like that. So, uh, so, so he builds this background for engaging people and getting them to open up about themselves. And of course, other things we need to know, right? To be able to do that, you have to create trust. You have to show empathy. And, and he ends up coming out of the FBI realizing that the very techniques for building trust in his job were actually sound techniques for relationship building in general. And he, and he ends up writing three books about it. One of the first one, the, the bestseller was, it's not all about me. <laughs> and and I said, Robin, transparently, you first approached this tool to achieve an outcome, which was your job. So the tool is only there to achieve an outcome. And then you started realizing, maybe this almost has a if you will, a existential thing for you and your life. And now you've written books where it's actually touching, you know, fathers and mothers and, and as well as business people, not just, you know, not just the old FBI network and the security people. And uh, so I, I, I found that fascinating because he had a change. It was almost like a change of heart, which changed him. Does that make sense to you? It, it does completely. And, and I, I want to look up Robin and his, his books that you referenced, because the ones that I've read to include the, the Stephen Covey one, I think I wrote on your uh, uh, LinkedIn post, 
the speed of trust is something that you can measure, you can, you know, you can see it when it's not there for sure. We all think have experiences where that's not there, whether it's personal or professional examples, but yeah, that makes a ton of sense to me. So when I prepare to have a conversation and by, by the way, I'm an odd duck because if I invited you over my house for dinner, it's very similar to the great conversation. I'd be going, oh, this is so cool. I get to spend some time with Nathan, you know, and 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 time is precious. I'm only going to have an hour or two. I really want to ask him this, right? And, and um, I'm thinking to myself, I'm thinking to myself, this crossing the chasm thing we've been talking about requires you to be an inquisitive, curious, truth-seeking person about another, not just a tool to manipulate information so you can get a bigger physical security budget, right? So, so, so it says to me, and I, I, I'm curious if you've ever done this, so you need to really know one of those corporate functions. You need to really know supply chain or HR, right? You pick up the phone and say, Nathan Mills, you may not know me, but I actually am in the business of uh, protecting your core process that enables your outcomes that matter. And I'd like 15 minutes with you. And I, I'd love just to know more about you so I can do my job better in helping you. Are you using that? Absolutely. Absolutely. The, the organization that I'm a part of is, is, is new. Uh, so having us knock on the door and to make a phone call, uh, cold call internally into the, into the organization as a whole is absolutely a skill that you have to learn. And I think we do it in such a way that, to your point, we show empathy, we show uh, a, a background knowledge of the company that's important, but then also we, we are very able to show what value we pr provide to them as an employee very quickly so they recognize oh okay yes this is a conversation i do need to have absolutely and if i'm not ready now let's make sure we set up the time to go through this because i could i can see where this would be beneficial and now you got to do your homework before that meeting that physical meeting they got to know you've actually studied something about their organization and about their role in the organization so they know you've done your homework and uh so is is this is this one of those um squishy relationship skill sets, or are we seeing more security leaders begin to implement training of their people so they know how to do those two skills? Research the intel on your own operational units, get ready for a great conversation, show empathy and develop the right kind of questions because questions define the man or woman in this particular regard, right? Questions define you. They end up showing that you're a value. Is that being done today? Do we do we have such programs in the industry? You know what? I don't know. I, I want to know. I want to learn more about that. I've seen it more from the be very conscious of it as you hire, so you know what skills a person has, and you include that into the interviewing process of what questions you ask them. But as far as a continuous education specific in our industry, I haven't seen it. But I would love to to learn more from people that are uh, engaged with your conversations. And I think that's how we're going to end the great conversation today, because I think there's a mandate here. I think I, you know, and you know me, I'm a, 
uh, for a living. I'm a business strategist. I help CEOs and their teams build valuable companies. So if I turn my eye on my brothers and sisters in the so-called security industry, my mission is I think we need across the chasm training ground. We need to put something together. And and so I'm going to start asking our, our friends, and you and I share relationships across this industry, let's put this together. Let's compile this. What would it look like? What would change your world, all of my friends out there, if uh, we suddenly became purpose-driven on developing, developing a practicum for crossing the chasm relationally with our operational peers? What would change? How would that change our lives? Quick answer to that before we close the conversation. What would change in your life if you had that? I think most everything inside my professional sphere would change drastically. The ability to get, get resources to provide value and to risk to mitigate risks appropriately and to, to build teams that are truly, truly a part of the business process and not just a seen as that obstacle to business where security sits in a lot of organizations right now. And this has been a great conversation with Nathan Mills on the path to value to protect, to enable. Thank you, Nathan. Thanks for having me, Ron.